Welcome, welcome, Ooh, one and all. You, you, you might need the to do for that one. Yeah. <laughs> to season two, episode twenty-six, Vice Thief uh, of the Barncast. Uh, my name is Ben Drew, and I'm joined by I'm Tyler Smith, and we have favorite friend of the show, Steve Berry. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think this is what, three, four? Four. Episode four. four. Yeah. I, think you're, I think you're our biggest Most guest. Most returning yeah. guest. Nice. You're, not, you're now a four cornerstone. The yeah. uh, royalties make it all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so it keeps coming back. Nice caps. Um, so, do you ever watch basketball? Yes. You know, like, uh, and they go, Steve Perry. And they go to shoot. I can't remember that. Oh, okay. It's been a bit. Sorry. Right. Well, that's what I thought about. I just remembered it now after knowing you as long as I've known you. Gotcha. Who throws out movie references? <laughs> oh, my God. You're weird. Oh, I'm weird. So that's the guy. Let's see, special like you, Tyler. Snow 80 song, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um, and as always, our podcast is brought to you by... This podcast is brought to you by the Heritage Breweries. Feels so good, it will make you take your schnitzel to the disco and party, party, yeah. <laughs> do you guys remember the wrestler Alex Wright from WCW in the mid-90s? I do I not. Don't, I don't. He was like, I don't know if he was German, but he embodied what that drop is. Okay. It was terrible. I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome and terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not supposed to be great. Uh, but you know, we always appreciate that they let us do our own jobs. So <laughs> I don't know. Freedom of speech. Yeah. They're so <laughs> open minded. Yeah. So, uh, just, uh, thanks once again to them for, uh, supporting us. So how's everybody's week? I had, a, I had a quite a day today. I, uh, it, it started last night. I, I've got a, I've got a three on three hockey league that we're running at the Mariners center that we're, we're fitting into the, uh, the COVID restriction kind of. New life we're living. New world we live in. So in the process of last night's game, um, I managed to take a stick right to the eye. And uh, it's not the first time that I've, I've taken a, a hit right around the eyes. I've been hit above the eyebrow and down below and on the side, and I've had my eyelid cut. And, uh, and like, when you're, when you're in a game, that, that's going to happen. But this is the first time I've had a stick kind of go straight into the squishy part of the socket. And you get to, like, everything goes black, and it's all, like, you see these beautiful stars, and, and you wonder, what, oh. So you, it kind of make my way off, and I had this big gray blob by my nose. And that was the first time that I've ever had any, any vision impairment after a, a knock to the eyeball. So today, I went in to get it checked out. And uh, that was my first time to, like, like are you guys eye doctor? Well, your mom's an yeah. do- eye doctor. I haven't been in to have no. my eyes checked in ages. Same. It's been a long time. So, uh, so it was, it was kind of a cool experience and, uh, he was, he was a young eye doctor and she's like, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to need to dilate your eyes. And I'm like, cool. She goes, did, uh, did, did you know that it's going to make your eyes blurry for a couple of hours? I'm like, come on, it's not going to be that bad. Like, so, uh, sure enough, she puts the drops in and she tells me it'll take about 15 minutes. 
And I never realized how important and valuable my vision was. I, I totally took that for <laughs> you granted. You Until you lose it, huh? Oh, I, I haven't had it since uh, seven. Yeah, I'm like looking at the, like the little tiny cuts on my hand. I'm like, I can't even see. It, uh, it all became one big flipper. And I'm trying to read her name on the door. So, so it was kind of neat. And, and, and they went in and they took pictures of, pictures of my eye. It's probably normal for everybody else and all of our listeners being like, you idiot, Tyler, go see an eye doctor more often. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> but I was so excited to see like the, on my, the pictures of my eye on screen. But it was after my eyes were dilated. So I'm like, uh, yeah. And she's pointing. She's like, see, over here is where the damage is. And I'm like, ah, no, I, I just see red circles. It's pretty neat, though. <laughs> yeah. So after I get out, I'm walking around downtown, and I can't drive. So I'm going to go try and get some lunch. And I'm, I'm walking on Main Street, and I run into somebody. They're like, Tyler, how you doing? I'm like, hello. <laughs> and it's so nice to see you. And then somebody's walking across the street. They're like, hey, Ty. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and just I don't hello. know who you are. Generic hello. Hello. <laughs> We're just here. <laughs> this is new Tyler. Hello. <laughs> So yeah, so I got off Main Street really quick and kind of had hit hit my best for a couple of hours. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to getting dilated again. It's a neat ride. Yeah. Did you yeah. Uh, uh, did you get the cool little sunshades they give you? Little what? Like no, I, but I will next time. I got I got ones that go over my glasses, right? Because you're light sensitive, right? Because your pupil is big, big time. Yeah. It's okay. Right. It's cool. So that's part of the plan too. Yeah, because my pupils were huge. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pain in the eye. So I had my I had sunglasses when okay. I walked out of the building, but uh, yeah, I managed to get up and I had Old World Bakery for lunch and I walked outside oh, and I did my glasses. Oh, good sandwiches! So deadly. Oh, good sandwiches. Lamb so sandwich, smoked gouda. Oh, I, I, you gotta go the smoked gouda on the brown bread. I haven't been that fancy yet for the lamb, but oh, you, I'm a smoked gouda. I'm a cheese connoisseur. Are you the brown yeah. bread? So, though? Oh yeah, I'm okay. Down. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done brown. I, I went. Uh, what was it's it? Multi green. Yeah, that molasses. That, yeah. yeah, you get that with some green peppers with on it. With the salt and the spice. Yeah, oh, it's a nice combination. Yeah. They do good things down there. Oh yeah, yeah. Their yeah. their sandwiches are magical though. I'll I like the staff there. too, and like I'm not in there enough to know them. It's a small enough town that if you go anywhere regular, like Cafe Clark, you know those guys personally, and obviously the rink, but. The lady making my making my sandwich, and you make small talk. I walked down and met Manisa, my wife at uh, at Heritage. So we're having a beer in the afternoon. Both kids were over at a friend's house. What an awesome afternoon it was to be able to have a beer. Yeah. And uh, so the lady, the lady who made my sub was like walking across the street. Now, have you ever had that experience where you're sitting at Heritage, and anybody who drives by can't help but rubberneck? Who's for sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. And me neither. As I'm sitting at the table, I'm like, I wonder who's driving by. So. She's looking over at me. I'm like, well, I guess we're kind of friends. She's made my lunch. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I can Hello. see. I can see. My that. vision's good now. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was at. It was the window had closed. So. I find that happens when you drive by there quite a lot. When you're sitting, you tend to see more. But when you're driving, and someone's like, oh, didn't you see me sitting there? And it's like, no, I tried to take it yeah. all in. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you, if, yeah. If you look at one spot, you might get one person, but there's like so much that so you're yeah. definitely rubbernecking. It's easy. I like going by on like a Friday. So it's been like junior A games on a Friday or Saturday that afterwards I'm like, maybe if I see, maybe if there's like a crowd I know in there, you swing by and you're like, everybody looks like they're having such a good time, but it's one big blob of fun. I'm just, I don't know. Usually, usually I'll kind of swing in anyways, but good spot. That's pre COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Different now. Yeah. I still, I like to get out there and get your patio seats down and sit in your bubble. And that's a nice perk to be outside like that. And, yeah. Just enjoy kind of downtown and 
I wish everything was patio. Like stores, yeah. mm. delis, everyone was outside. Rooftop outside. patios. Yeah. That would be cool. Something you could see down the harbor. Yeah. You know, nice view. And well, on a seagull shit island out yeah. in the middle. It's the only thing. Huh? Can you do me a, a favor? Uh, next town council meeting, can you bring up... I've been begging for uh, Yarmouth to erect a giant seagull statue. Seagull. On Seagull Island. Okay. All right? And think about it. Like, the tourism... Like, people go places... Like, you go to Nippewa to see the world's biggest axe. Or there's, like, the that most... Is good. There's, you know, there's Sudbury, the biggest nickel. Well, you can put yep. a giant seagull, and people come here to take pictures. We, uh, with, there's actually the... I don't know if you go to the shark scramble, the big shark that was caught down there that was disputed that it was a world record, but it's, like, a 1,086 pounds or something. It what was, was caught... Oh, probably four or five years ago, but it was caught here at the Shark Scramble, and it made Maxim Magazine, and oh, right. there were some people who said it was the biggest one caught in eastern Canada and whatnot. So regardless, whether it's a record or not, um, the town pitched in money, and um, the uh, Shark Scramble people got behind it, and there's actually a replica that was supposed to go down there. I think it's 14 feet or so long. It's a, it's a life-size, wow. and it's a Mako. So it looks like the so job. Yeah. yeah, and it was ready to go. When, well, COVID, obviously, but that's going down on the wharf, kind of for the same idea for pictures or not. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, I so didn't that's, know about that. It's that's already cool. here. It's, it's, it was made down in Florida, like craft. It's like a statue type deal, but yeah, it's it was molded out of pretty much. Could I uh, borrow it until you guys use it? I, I'm not sure where it is. I'll get in my yard for a bit and <laughs> yeah. we'll try to bring it up and see what we It'd can do. It'd be like the Stanley it. Cup. Yeah. Everybody gets it for a day. <laughs> yeah. I actually like to see it. I mean, Kind of yeah. cool. I, I seen that. I seen the shark itself when it came up over the, and just to see it on a forklift was That's like it, it, well, it looked like a move. Like it did look like the jaws because it's that make go and that you know yeah. the, and everything. And so to see this reenacted, it'd be kind of cool to actually go down there. I think it'll be a big draw. But I think those things are important too. Like those, you know, those pieces that draw people in to, yeah. to kind of I want to do that type deal, right? So yeah, like when I went across Canada, I was like, I'm seeing as many big things as I can. Right. Like that's the thing people do. The axe and yeah the. Yeah, the, the big lobster, I think, is a Bathurst or somewhere around. I missed that. that. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. I got the big nickel in Sudbury. That was cool. Edmonston has a, uh, has a big, is it a moose or a caribou right by a truck stop? That's where we hoisted up our secretary from our school. Nice. Petawawa has a giant goose. A giant goose? Yeah, a Canadian goose. I had, have you guys been to Japan? No. <laughs> no. Buddy at school talks about his trip to Japan when he was teaching in Korea, and he's like, pamphlet of things to see while you're in Japan. You have to check out this statue of Godzilla. And and in the picture from the perspective, like, oh my God, this massive Godzilla statue. Life size so Godzilla. You're, yeah, you're thinking from the movie, it's like walking on buildings, crushing things. Like I must be able to see this from across the city. Come to find out it's like three feet tall. <laughs> it's in a beautiful park, but it's like must see this this Godzilla. At least our shark's gonna be big. Yep. Fourteen footer. Yeah, I wonder if that's like the original Godzilla model from the movie, though. That would make it a little more interesting. True. Because they would have had to have a smaller one knocking over buildings. You know? So when, it, when we looked at it, he, he found the picture on Google or whatnot, and it reminded me of, do you remember those old-time Christmas tree, like ceramic Christmas trees that you plug <laughs> yeah. in? It's got the, like, the multicolored. And it melts all the, the plastic. Yeah. We had a couple <laughs> of those. They're such yeah. fire hazards. <laughs> Aren't they actually worth quite a bit of money? I thought someone yeah. posted one of them not too long ago, and someone was like, "Hey, those are collectible." Or they're beautiful. Yeah, they're one of my. F- it, yeah. well, it it makes me think of my grandmother's yeah. saying to throw back yeah. to the I've got, old good we, Christmas. Like my parents have two now, like one from each grandparent, right? Oh so, wow! Yeah. One's white, one's green. I like so green. who's getting them? Three kids, uh, two I Christmas will. trees. 
There's there's two of us in Yarma, so it's easier for me to take them. That's true. So you're gonna get both. Yeah. Yeah. Nate doesn't know what's going. Nate on. will get one, and you'll take it from Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Just hold it for him. Yeah. Choose in December. He can have back. <laughs> or keep it keep it up keep it out all year round, and then be like, it's not a Christmas decoration. It's my house. Yeah, it's part of the house. Yeah, it's a plant. I could tape it down and say it's actually part of the structural integrity of the house. I kept my Christmas tree up till February once. We had a bunch of roommates and. It was actually a real tree. Real? Oh, we paid the price. Oh, yeah. It was like uh, AstroTurf when we brought her out and all the <laughs> crest greens fell off. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was just like, we don't want to take it down. We're enjoying it. And then kind of became a fire hazard. And we thought, yeah, yeah. someone lights a match. And yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that. It's going to go up like Argyle. Right? You got a bang. Yeah, that's not Speaking good of right which, now. Yeah. yeah. Two fires I, I heard earlier. They're, the small one, I guess, yeah, there was one that's lo- located out by the highway. And the highway was shut down because yeah. there was zero vis- visibility. And they were worried about it jumping across. That's when it gets scary. Right? Yeah. When it moves. Yeah. yeah. When you have those little fire flames from the old Ninja Turtles uh, game from Nintendo. <laughs> Good reference. Yeah. yeah. The little shits. The impossible game to beat. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a pain in the ass. So, uh, and then the other one, I think they contained it. So I okay. saw the helicopter. Did you see the helicopter going over? I, I just, I seen some pictures that they had took on Facebook. So and- it was going over our house. I was trying to figure out where they're going because it, I don't know if they're going to Milo or because the ocean has lots of water from what I understand. Right. Um, they say. I don't know. Would they dump salt water or would they try to be a little ecologically friendly and dump fresh? So I, I called, I called a former, like a, a guy I referee with who's a, a firefighter. And he said, uh, yeah, some, they've been going to the ocean, but yeah, they, they try to go with fresh water as much as possible. But I'm looking at the helicopter, and I'm like, how big is that jug that it's carrying? It doesn't look like... If I'm, if I'm a helicopter pilot, and I'm, and I'm up in the air, and I'm seeing this massive like forest fire, I would feel hopeless being like, oh, I'm going to drop... You're it. smelling a jug! Yeah. Like, it's like a, like a Pepsi bottle cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come to find out. I call Luke, and he's like, no, no, it's, it's like twice, this, twice my height and like twice my arm length wide. It's... That must be a, a fun time to fly. Like, because the water's sloshing around, right? Yeah. And, like, you're trying to stabilize Ooh. the helicopter. Yeah. And, and then you that's, miss. That and then you miss. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's not something you want to not be 100% on, right? Like, yeah. Hit someone's house. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, that'd probably crush a house. Like, <sighs> the water, the weight of the water. We're, we're safe. We're going to put it out. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, run away. It's a terrible situation. I remember when there, do you remember Porter's Lake? Um, near near Lawrencetown had a huge forest fire. This would have been before 2008. And uh, driving through that community, it, it was a pain in the ass. Like, I, I imagine how frustrated the homeowners would have been because you would have had this house burnt down and you could see the line in the grass and the lawn where the fire stopped. This house didn't burn down. These two burned down. And like, okay, was the guy standing there with his fire hose being like, no way. <laughs> We know where the helicopter dropped the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only save one, I guess. So. That's right. I'm glad he missed. He won the, the lottery that day. So the world is uh, the world's not stopping to change. Sports are shutting down. Yeah. Yes. yes. We've had first. another incident. Yeah, so uh, Jacob Blake, uh, for those of you who don't know what's going on in the world, uh, just another black man shot by the police for unarmed, you know? Uh, shot in the back seven times in front of his children, trying to get into his car. So he's probably paralyzed. Um, no, it's confirmed. Oh, the father. The father said, "Yeah, he's paralyzed." Well, yeah, but yeah. So like, dads know these things. <laughs> yeah, 
And so, of course, um, towns are burning again, you know, and, and people Back. are in the streets. And, and why wouldn't they be? Like, it's insane. And what's crazy to me, and I can, I can see the frustration in people's eyes. Like, when you look at, because as is going on, like, when they shut down and, uh, like, Doc, who, who's the, the NBA coach? Doc Rivers. Doc, Doc Rivers, Rivers, yeah. Rivers, yeah. Like, his, his, his speech that I gave last night was, like, was really great. And, and he's just, he hits on the biggest thing. He's like, they're just spreading fear every friggin' day. And like, and as like this is going on at the RNC, they're like, these, you know, they're trying to take your cities from you, yeah, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And it's then the division. Ha- and then you have the shooting during the protest, right? It's the black and white, or then they, they go into red states and blue states. And, yeah. you know, this happens in democratic states. And it's like, this isn't a political matter. This is humanity, right? And it just, I just think there's such a division's the big thing nowadays, right? Like, and it's that they separate you any way they can, right? Like, and 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 just sometimes when you're talking about these things, and I mean, it's it's it really is black and white when it comes to it. No one's kind of like, well, you know, racism, no, it's no big deal. It's just like you're either on board and you get it or you don't. Yeah. And like, yeah. and I think that's where the whole all lives matter things come from. Like, people have good intentions when they say those things, and I think they assume because they're good people. And they wouldn't do those things and they wouldn't take part that, yeah, well, all lives matters. But I think you need to say black lives matters at times because to deal with those people who have that hatred in their heart and who think the way that we know people shouldn't think. And, you know, it's just, you know, you, you can play whatever political game you want, Biden, Trump, whatever. But at the end of the day, like when, when people who are a certain color are, are getting it singled out by by cops and getting shot, like on, on proportional rates, you know what I mean? There's a problem here. And a lot of the things with racism comes down to a few things, but one of it is the, the, just the admit that, it, it, that it's there. A lot of time is spent convincing people that the problem is even a real problem. Yeah. So how do you get to a solution when you're spending yeah. time saying this is happening and people are like, oh, no, it's not happening yeah. to white people or it happens here. And yeah, things do happen. And, and I'm not going to say it doesn't. But, the, you know, it's the whole this this house is on fire. And that's why we came to this neighborhood with the fire truck to put it out. Yeah. Not that all houses don't matter. But yeah, this one's yeah. on fire right now. And this is where we need to start to put it out. And don't make me convince you that there's a fire here that when there's flames matter. coming out yeah. of every window, yeah. right? And, and and that's the problem. And then the second part is when you do get into these discussions, you have to allow people space to come from where they're at. And a lot of times that's an uncomfortable position because sometimes people are going to say things that offend you, right? Like when you're having open conversations, because someone can be like, oh, well, I didn't know that. And you'd be like, you didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's not that's not healing. That's not education. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to be able to have a space where everyone can can say their words and to know there's, there's no offense here. There's no whatever. We're going to lay it on the table. We're going to talk about it. And that's when you move forward, because if you don't have those spaces to have those courageous conversations or whatever acronym, you know, we're throwing out at things nowadays, like there needs to be a space where we have these conversations and we need to stop spending time convincing people that it's here because it's obviously here. It's a the states is blowing up. You know what I mean? And, and people don't think it's in Canada, but it is. Obviously not to that extent, but, you know, it's here, people, and let's have those conversations we need to have so we can all move forward from it. And it has to come from a point of understanding where we're not blaming people three seconds into the conversation, right? And there's no easy fix. It That's takes time. Point. We talk, yeah. but, yes, there's some goings on. Do you think the culture, like, culturally, the change has to happen in the United States before it comes to Canada, or can we influence them? 
We won't influence. Them. I don't think we can. I don't think we. We, we need to like. We have to worry about ourselves and, and changing our, ourselves. Fuck whatever they do. Like it's it's up to us to be better. They're on a long road. I I, I don't see it. I mean, because you look so that that um, that teenager, seventeen year old, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. So he shot three demonstrators. Uh, two of them died. One's in the hospital. He he's buying hook, line, and sinker into the fear that they're selling, right? And this is why that fear is so dangerous. And that an entire party, an entire half of the government, can go and just try to sow division. I know they're trying to divide and conquer, and they want to rule their people, but like it has real consequences. Well, when people are getting shot, yeah, yeah. And so like he bought into it, and he's part of this little militia that they have going on in there. And what blew me away is that you see videos like. So you have thousands of armed civilians walking in the streets saying, okay, we're the militia. Well, you're not a militia. You're just a bunch yeah. of dicks with guns. Um, but the police are not, and, and they even wrote a Facebook message to the police. We're going to be out there trying to support you. Please uh, don't arrest us. Don't bother us. We're, we're here for you guys. And then you see the police going by and stopping. Like, oh, like. So they're, you know, they're flying rubber bullets at the uh, at the black protesters and stuff. There's a bunch of dudes with guns. Oh, man, you guys need some Your water? Butts, yeah. 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 And he's like, oh, these guys are thirsty. Let's, and they like chuck them some water bottles. We're all friends. Yeah. And then, and then after the shooting, you know, he, the guy shoots the three people and he goes and he puts his hands in the air and he's walking away and a car, like a, a police officer driving by and everybody's yelling like, he's the shooter. He's the shooter. He's got his hands above his head. Police go right by him, right? Meanwhile, the other day, they shot a man in the back seven times. Yeah. Like, it's insane. This How many is... shots does it take to subdue a human being? Man, like, you never thought one in the knee could have brought that guy down? I'm yeah. okay with the well, one in the knee. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, he's there's not the paralyzed. Argument of, and... There's the argument of, like, okay, I don't know what he has in his vehicle. And and maybe they are, they're not trained to shoot for the knee, but given the current cli- current climate socially that we have going on right now, are you going to put seven bullets in the guy's back? And, and what if he hit the kids? You know, yeah. like he's like they're shooting at a car full of children. And you don't if you don't want him to open the door. You're right there when he don't puts let him, him open the door. Yeah, kick the door in. That's yeah. way better than killing him. Yeah, right. Like why? If there's there's like seven of you there, yeah. you're right there when he opens the door, and you almost step back to let him open it. Yeah, you know, like and it's just and I watch like I try to watch both sides of things. I don't like alt anything. You know, too mm-hmm. far right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. far left annoys me too. Yeah, I think there's it. some middle ground that we all need to live in. But like, so I watch Ben Shapiro sometimes, and that Caitlin Bennett and different things. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Opinions from the other side are important, right? You don't yeah. want echo chambers because you never learn anything. But I just, sometimes when you watch those things and it's like, yeah, buddy got shot. And the minute he gets shot, it's like, we're already justifying the other side. Right off the bat. It's like, yeah. well, you know, they had a warrant out for his arrest and blah, 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 blah. And he was running from the cops. And it's like, you can justify anything if you want to. But the, at the end of the day, if you switch colors on that, and that was a black cop and a white guy, yeah. what what is yeah. the discussion would we'd be having here? You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they they talked before about like when Democrats like there's been some Democrats to known to like um, adopt kids, like white Democrats who have like black kids or whatever that they they adopt it. And you know, you flip that. What if Obama had? And, you know, had, had a, a little, kids. a little yeah. couple, white kids. You know, two little white kids. Like that would be looked at so differently. Yeah. And it's like it's those things that are ingrained in our mind that we don't even realize until we take a peek at them. It's like, man, like 
Why, well, why do we think that yeah. way? Yeah. And the, the influence of, you know, Walt Disney and, and you know, uh, the news and whatever we've been watching all these years. But either way, our, our mindset and where we are is obviously, like, systematically, there is a, a lean to, obviously, the, you know, European white way how to do things. That's the majority, you know, like the, the Bloombach thing that, you know, that, yeah. that happens that they, they, they told us about in, in school, in services and whatnot. You know, everything's white-walled. And this all comes from things back and so far back in the day. And One guy decides one thing. And then we yeah. run with it, right? Yeah. Like, and it, it's, it's just well, a shame. Well, it's tradition, guys. It's tradition. That's how we do it. That's right? yeah. you know, we used to, we <laughs> it's been used to, that way forever. Yeah. We used to smoke in schools, right? Yeah. We don't anymore. We, we've evolved. And it's just like that hasn't. And it's just a shame that... You know, you've got the African-Canadian studies classes and the, the things that, you know, went on. There's been prominent black people, you know. It's hood, I mean, that lady last week had a good run of being the national leader for the conservative party. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're we're moving here. Like, to me, I, I think Osh- Michelle Obama would have been a great running mate. But we do have a, you know, African-American running. We're, we're here, like, yeah. we're, at least in that sense. But yet we're not. Yeah. You know, so much, so much thinking has gone the other way. And I think so many of us who are progressive and open-minded have moved on. And I think as much as we've moved in one direction, the right has moved in the other. Yeah. And it's just a shame because there is a divide. Like, I, I sometimes, you know, I go to post things and I'm like, do I want this battle? Do, do I want yeah, this? And then it's like, but if you don't, you, are you the advocating? truth is, needs to be out there. Yeah. So you need to be ready, yeah. you know, especially as someone of color. And, you know, my dad's white, my mom's black and... You know, I, I don't see things kind of as, as clear as some people who, you know, come from different backgrounds or having both black parents or this or that. But I think it gives me a unique kind of side to hear both things. And, you know, like it, it's just some things are just it, it comes down to that division. It really does. And, and that's if you look at the states, what's the what's the big thing? The divide. Yeah. Right. Like and it, money plays a part in it, too. I read an article about like Atlanta doesn't really have a a big um, problem as far as racism goes compared to a lot of cities because a lot of the black people in Atlanta are rich black people. Yeah, they own so, all the businesses. So we're, we're cool with you. Yeah. If, you know, but if not. We need you. Right? Like, and it, it comes down to these sports things too. Like, I'm, I'm glad people like LeBron and stuff are using their voice right now. Like, yeah, you're in the bubble. Yeah, you're doing this, but... It's good that you're using your position. If it was one night, it was one night. But I know when I turned on TV last night and heard that, I was like, yeah, man. Hell yeah. Way to go, boys. That's history. You're right. Way to go. Like, and we're at a time of change. We really are. And I mean, little things. I mean, I stood downtown on Main Street in my own town at a Black Lives Matters rally. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we got a Pan-African bench sitting out in front of Brown Street parking lot now. And we, you know, we, we fly the flags and we do the things and we're trying here, right? And I think it, I mean... Here too, we have the you know the the native, the Mi'kmaq, you know the fishery rights going on now. There's some guy was just busted there with buying illegal lobsters, and it was out of season, and this and that. Yeah. And you go on those fishermen sites, and you see what they say about some of the you know our native brothers and sisters who have treaty rights to a food fishery. And it's like, man, how can you think like that about another human being? It was crazy. Oh. Um, I remember I was in high school. I was at my my buddy's house. I won't say who, but they had a picture on the wall. Uh, and it was like from like I think like the late '80s, um, and it was just basically all the white fishermen on the wharf with guns, yeah. guarding the boats because it's like the start of like the native uh, like fishing or like they were they were coming down to fish, and they're like, no, you're not, and like they're all standing there with their guns. I think like, they blocked the harbor and everything. I believe. I, yeah. yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a framed photo of all the boats blocking, making a blockade. Yeah, that, that's insane. It is bold. 
And some people really surprise you. And that was and that was like a proud moment. Yeah, like, we got. We did it. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, people you would think would know better, and you're mm-hmm. like, you really think that way? I mean, I'm, I'm down with anyone can think whatever they want, and if we want to have a conversation, fine. But just there's some things you shouldn't think when it comes from hate. Yeah, there's no there's yeah. no room for for that for that hate. Like just based on things you know that that are so arbitrary that you had nothing to do with, right? Like you color of skin, with, or, you know, last name sometimes, parts of town, and I, I've seen it, you know, more and more as I get older, and some things you brush off, and and then some things you just become numb to it because they're there, but, you know, 2020 people, like, open your eyes, get that vision yeah. fixed, right? Like, you're dilated a lot of you, right? Yeah, like, you're walking around town like Mr. Magoo, like yeah. me. I'm telling you, it's, it's only aliens. Aliens are the only thing that's going to make us stop being tribalistic against each other because we need, we need to fight something, right? And so if there's not, something different, that's the only thing that can unify. Join together. To Certainly not a pandemic. No. No. Because the world again, is shit with a pandemic. Wow, right yeah, I mean, look at the mask fight, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and then you, I've got friends who are on conspiracy theories about it or whatnot, and all I know is that Strang knows more than I do about how this should be handled. Yeah. Right? And if he's he doing want, it well. If he wants to know how to cook some ribs on the barbecue, right, <laughs> yeah, come yeah, on yeah. by, bud. But I'm not going to tell you how to do disease control or whatever because I watched a 10-minute YouTube video and Ben... Shapiro told me that this was a conspiracy theory. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion. I respect that. But here's how I think of it. If I can wear a mask and still go see my 91-year-old grandmother and now I have to be worried about did I, you know, bring that into yeah. her, then then I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah. it's it's it, That's my decision that easily for me just because I think it's a good thing to do for everybody else. And you know what? At the end of the day, if they say, ha-ha, this was all a hoax, we just seen if you were doing it. Hey, at least I played it right. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because the consequence of being wrong is yeah. not something that I'm willing to gamble with. Absolutely. Right? Like, if you don't wear one and you do get it and you do spread, maybe you won't. Like, you would be the one who wouldn't get it. Yeah. But who do you pass it to? Who do you sneeze it on to? Yeah. What kids do we see yeah. at our jobs or, you know, and other other things or family members or whatever? Like, it's the, the risk isn't worth it for me. So I'll wear a mask. Yeah, I wash my hands. I should have been anyhow, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not willing to fight that one. But and the fact are, that oh. the fact that we're nitpicking masks when in other parts of the world it's been the norm for a long yeah. time. Asian countries, and, yeah. And, and there Small, are no statistics of these countries ever, ever since the bird flu. That's when I first remember seeing like mm-hmm. you see masks in Asia all the time. Yeah, and like it's just a way of life. I teach my grade ten, my, even my grade seven kids like. Population density. It, the more you have stuffed in an area, the more at risk you are for spreading disease. It's, it makes it's sense. pretty simple. Yep. 12-year-olds get it. I'm like, so if anything you can do to to limit contact between them, especially in a global pandemic, well, just do it. It's the, the birth control condom kind of idea for me. It's like, well, masks don't work 100%. Well, neither do condoms. Do you wear them? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So you've got a daughter, and she's dating a guy that you hate. The biggest idiot you had in the whole wide world. You don't even want him over for supper. And she, you know that they're going to end up sleeping together. There's nothing you can do with it, right? It, it's going to happen. And A, would you want him to go bareback and give it a go? B, he wears a condom. C, she's on birth control. He wears a condom. Because neither are 100%. Yeah. But so, hey, yeah. I bet you I know what you want then. Due diligence. Put, yeah. Put your mask on, dummy. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like you, you take it. it if it's ten percent less because I have a mask on, yeah. that's ten percent. Ten percent. That's ten yeah. percent less. Yeah. Right. When you're talking a million people, that's a lot of people. It's like, oh, it doesn't work a hundred percent. A lot of the things we do don't. Yeah. Seatbelts right? don't work a hundred percent. You put right? those on. I, there you go. Right. Yeah. But 
what do you want for your daughter? You know what I mean? Like, it makes it pretty simple. Put your mask on. Stop your foolishness. Right? Like, you you can't even handle things in your own house. Don't tell the world how to live. (laughs) 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 Anyhow, sorry. There it is. There it is. I love it. I love it. Um, Last thing. I I was just thinking of this, uh, like, back to, like, the racial politics, especially in the States. Uh, Do you know Daryl Davis's? Have you heard about that guy? No. Um, and it's just when you're talking about uh, like coming to the table and, and, and leaving conversation, having hard conversations, not getting it. offended. Right. Uh, Daryl Davis is my favorite example of that. He's a, he did uh, R&B and blues music. And I watched his Vice documentary on him like a few years ago. But what he does, he's, he's a large black man, and he befriends Ku Klux Klan members. And he seeks out friendship. Yeah, he, he so he, he finds one and he starts talking to them. And he'll let them spew the racist shit right at him. Right. And then they sit down and have coffee. Get and, he, and he comes back the next day, you know, and like and after a few weeks, they become friends. Right. Because he realizes you're a human being. Shit, I'm a human being. That guy's a person. And then as soon as that clan member realizes he's friends with them, he's like, Well shit, I'm an asshole. Like right. I can't yeah. wear this. And then um, and he's done this several times. And um, he has a, a museum of Klu- he has a Ku Klux Klan museum uh, of all the robes and and stuff that he's people have given him when they've given it up. The converted, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um, but he's actually taken a lot of heat, uh, not not a lot, but some heat even from the black community for like um, jiving with the enemy. Yeah, like, but like he's like, no man, it's about love and about understanding and sitting down. He's a really interesting guy if you ever check him out. I think that's another thing, too, that be- becomes a problem is that everybody wants you to be an activist in the way that they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I've taken heat from a few people about not stepping up for the Black Lives Matters thing. And, you know, I have my own opinions. I obviously support, you know, African Nova Scotian rights or rights of any human for, for that matter. But, you know, like, why why wouldn't you step up to be a leader in that? And my, my whole thing is that I believe that there's people who came before me who have fought battles way worse than I've ever fought. Like, you know what I mean? Like... People who have, you know, my mother has a black doll who's that's in a kind of little glass case. And it was always odd to me that she kind of, you know, well, when she was young, she didn't have one, right? She had a white doll, right? And, you know, you talk to some people, that's no big deal. Well, would it be odd for your white daughter to have a black doll? Maybe not nowadays, but, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, the things have, have changed. If, if all the dolls are black, they, you know, back in the day, like, yeah. and there was no white dolls. They, 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 we've come a ways, but, like... People do th- so anyhow. In, in that sense, for me, I, th- I think it's important for our elders to those who have walked the walk, who have been through the worst times, to, to kind of, you know. So to me, I'm I'm ready to support in my own way, but I don't want to be the leader of the cause. I want to be on there doing the work that needs to be done. But I yeah. respect my elders and you know the community, the people who have been, you know, who've really seen the ugly, ugly face yeah. of racism yeah. to battle that out. And then number two is a lot of times people expect you to do it because they won't do it themselves. So it's like, why didn't you do that? So I can sit here on Facebook and share your post and feel like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I did, you know, I, I've had someone kind of come at me and I, I said that, like, no offense to you, but what are you doing, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. everyone has to fight that battle in their own way. If you feel like you're doing justice, I think this conversation is doing justice. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think having this, I think saying the things that we're saying and open up these things, but everyone has their own part to play. And I think it's wrong for people to judge people based on what they think others should be doing. I think yeah. we all need to worry about as long as we're doing our part and everyone else is doing theirs, 
Yeah. Then we're going to move forward. But once we start judging, we just create another problem because then you're you're starting you the another solution, one to fix. Yeah. right? You're starting to fight in the middle of the solution. Yeah. At least he's on board. At least this guy's trying to convert KKK people. Yeah, right. And so I, he takes yeah. a little heat to do it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But at the end, the end result is he right? does it. Like, you got a relationship. You, yeah. you got to come from somewhere. And like I said, I, I really believe those courageous conversations in space that allows people to say whatever they want. As yeah. you just said, the example that was a prime example of that, right? Like. Bust the n-word if you know, I don't agree with it. I'm not saying, but if you need to have that conversation to get to a place where you're now have understanding, yes, then yeah. then yeah. go there because if not, we stay where we're at, and we can't stay where we're at. Yeah, we can't. Right? Yeah, like just there's there's no well, look at the states, right? Yeah. You can't see that we that things aren't good. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I'm worried. Like you asked the question, like could we influence the states? Like I'm worried about the states influencing us. That's right. what, yeah. You know, like it moving north. Right. Um. Because it's already here, but they're normalizing it and putting it way out in the open. like. And that's where I was going with that, because their culture is pop culture. Yeah. Very much. And Look then the we, we follow along with, like, the media. Yeah, yeah. Big time. We can't all watch the CBC all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got to take care of our own uh, and, and just hope that they can find the change they need uh, and that no more people are murdered, like, it's rough. Yeah, it is. There, there's no magic book that you sit down and read, but I, I do believe we all have a part to play in it. And like I said, these conversations, opening up, you know, not judging others how they want to do it. And, and when you call it out, see it, you know. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're like, so I remember when I was younger, my buddy was smoking out in front of the high school. And his aunt drove by and his uncle drove by. And before you know it, there's like three family members on the side of the road ripping a cigarette out of his mouth. And next thing you know, like they called his mom and it's yeah. like the full family. Yeah, whatever. that's awesome. Nowadays, oh nowadays you drive by and it's like, well, that's not my son. Yeah. yeah. Can't say anything. We, we've, we've got away from that communal yeah. kind of care. Yeah. Even the village the doesn't raise the kid. No, even in the family structure, right? It's like, oh, well, that's my sister's kid. I'm not too worried mm-hmm. about it, right? But what we need to get back to, we all take care of each other. Yeah. So when someone does something wrong, whether it's your kid or your uncle's kid or some kid that you just know, kid, that's wrong. Or adult, that's wrong. And, you know, when you start calling out, like, sometimes people do things because they get away with them. Yeah. Sometimes when you yeah. call them, it's unconscious sometimes. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize. Well, when you get called on it, and, you know, it doesn't always have to be one in the chamber, like, I'm coming at you with it. Yeah. But just, hey, man, don't say that. Like, when you say that, that's not cool, bud. Like, that hurts my feelings. Not cool. Oh, I didn't realize that, Bear. Like, I won't say that again. You've just made leeway. Yeah. You've opened up yeah. the conversation. You're rolling. You know what I mean? Like, but if you just turn your head and, ah, they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, they look what they're going to do. It's look really south. meaningful to get that embarrassment of being called out, but in a constructive manner. Right. Being like, okay, it's okay that I just screwed up. But, but you know what? I, yeah. You've, Moving yeah. forward now, I know. You know that I know, and we're going to. Right. We're going to be okay. to harp on that. And yeah. We're going to move forward from the situation, right? But Yeah, it's like a. It's kind of similar to, like, you think about, like, back in the day when we were little kids on the playground and you're trying out bullying, you know, like, because everybody did, did right. it at some point. Oh, and, shit rolls downhill. And then sometimes you're just like, like, you like, if you can see that you're hurting someone, like a lot of, not everybody is, is well-formed emotionally or, you know, because they have their own baggage, but you see someone, you hurt somebody and you're like, no, that doesn't feel good. Right? Like, and, and you kind of learn it. Kicks in. You know, like. And morals and, yeah. And, um. But then I think, you know, we can start to lose that, especially because now most of our stuff's over the internet. It's not face-to-face, and we can just show So insincere and, and anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, if we can bring back a little more personalized, like, and call them on their stuff and be like, like, 
like, and I think face to face is the only real way to do it, like, because it's easy to hide on the internet. But it'll it'll bring back some of that feeling that you got when you were a little kid and you messed up and you felt bad. Oop. There was Sorry. a point where you you would feel bad. Get your pants down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, we got to move forward culturally. Yeah, big time. And we uh, got to move forward into the rest of the world. Let's see it. Welcome to the world according to Tyler Smith. Good timing on that symbol. Thank you. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start off in North Korea because Kim Jong Un is uh, he's fun. He's fun to poke shots at. I I don't. I'm not gonna kind of get on and joke about his poor health because I don't want anyone to die. I'd like him, for him to be a nice person and maybe join the rest of the world. But word is he's in a coma and North Korea is doing the North Korea thing. We're like, no, he's not in a coma. Yeah. So it's been alleged by South Korean uh, intelligence officials that, uh, oh, they're pumping out like fake pictures of him doing uh, maybe like public public appearances and... Uh, and then they're like, no, check out these other photos we have of him out. <laughs> yeah. He's like in a grocery store. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. From hmm. five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Turnips. Um, and, and yeah, they were making a met. They were asking people to hand in their dogs last week. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And so was it for sustenance? Uh, yeah, from what I understood, they're like, uh, yeah, we need to. Well, I mean, hey, I mean, there's such a, a poor nation and starvation's already such a forefront then you throw a pandemic on top of that which they said they didn't have any cases but how would you ever know yeah yeah they're like one big atlantic bubble like (laughs) yeah well yeah Yeah. at least no one in so yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) except they're not letting truckers yeah but um yeah i mean i'd eat a dog if i was starving i wouldn't want to but sometimes you got to do what you got to do live and in different cultures right it's the the way we look at domesticated pets is way different probably than yeah you know the setup there well, that's different, right? I mean, there's two major religions that view eating pork, uh, you know, in the same kind of you know, way. No, no, bacon. Yeah, yeah. Wow. How could you do it? What a life. Yeah. The scallops alone? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But this is round two of this, right? They they said this a few months ago. Yeah, they thought the same, and he resurfaced, and and the sister might step up. Yeah, and I'd, they, I'd be scared of getting shot over there just if you were close, you know, like because you think they. They think you might be leader, and there's a lot of purging. The, and there was well, a. They, they keep they keep mentioning the sister, but lately the word is Ellen DeGeneres is going to be the next leader of <laughs> Rodman and I, <laughs> and yeah. him and Dennis are quite close. Yeah. So bring him over, get you some rebounds, run your country. There you go. Um, speaking of like, yeah, I like being scared as a family member. Um, a few years ago, I remember it was like an uncle or something that he, he didn't care for, and one of their ways to execute yeah. people. Yeah. Is they strap him in front of an anti-aircraft cannon, and just like right across the barrel and just blow him up. He, and that's, he just went that mi- to relatives. He just went missing, didn't he? The uncle. I think he was like a powerful guy within the government. I think yeah. he just faded away. I think they He's called gone. it the purge, but they never. Yeah. Right? It seems like it. Like, and that sounds like something you'd hear on like an Austin Powers, like Doctor Evil kind of. But yeah, it's here. Destruction. Yeah, he's the real deal. Yeah. The yeah. one upside of North Korea being like, no, he's out and about. Check it out. Is we get more photos of him and like I, I'm a sucker for a good picture of Kim. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what do you, what do you think he smells like? <laughs> I bet you he smells like cheese all the time. 
like axe body spray. Yeah, you think he's uh, <laughs> you think he's straight up axe, but his hair is quite impeccable. Um, he's got a sick fade all the time. He probably gets sponge bathed, and you know he's probably well taken care of. Oh yeah, he's pampered. He doesn't. He doesn't Do you think so? Brain, I'm not so. sure if he would take care of. Like I don't. I, I don't get the impression based on his, like. More donuts and cigarettes. I don't. I don't think he takes care of himself, but I think people take it's, care of him. Right. He'd have like a hair, hair, uh, a harem of like women that would come and pat, like bathe him and then powder his pat butt, him down. You know, and like yeah. <laughs> could he cut his steak? And yeah. Do, you, yeah. do you think he'd have like a like a I'm a, a designated I'm tickler? A... <laughs> like, tickle me before bed. <laughs> I, I think he gets one. Like they think he's a god. Yeah. Like I've heard some of the propaganda about like you know he he, he went to an eighteen hole golf course and he, st- he shot eighteen shots. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like they believe that yeah. they believe he doesn't. You know, why wouldn't they, you? He, he doesn't. He doesn't poop, right? He, they don't think he has a. They don't yeah. think he has a bum hole, right? Like yeah. he's some kind of god. Over he's there a Ken doll. It's just <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and they think that, and then they play these propaganda videos. I had seen one one time where it was like they show Americans like, "Aren't you glad you don't live here?" And it shows like a bunch of people like out in. Central Park, and they're like making snow soup. Yeah, I've seen And they're that. trying to catch a little bird that's flying around so they can get some protein. And it's like, yeah, you should be thankful you're here. And this is what they do in the States. And if that was the only news outlet, if that was like, yeah. oh, that you don't know. Yeah. I mean, us, we know everything on our phone five minutes after it happens, but when they don't have that connection. So what they believe is, is a totally different setup. I mean, and if you were born into it, that's would a thing not you know any different like way. Your entire world. It's like the Truman Show, right? Yeah. That was his reality, even though everything was fake, because he was born into it. Uh, I didn't know I'm, how deep that movie I've always was. been fascinated with the North Korea thing, though. Just It's... Yeah. Just, and, and I mean, things have obviously... It's been in the news a little more, and we know more now than kind of 10 years ago or whatnot, but it's just always been fascinating, like the, just how they that whole setup works in, in this modern day and age, that they're not... You know, they're just, they do their own thing, right? Yeah. One person says it and they all, you know, and how they're marching and how, you know, and it's it's crazy. Like they, The fact, we covered it before, but they give crystal meth as presents. Like, it's legal there. And, like, when you graduate, you get crystal meth. <laughs> but, and it, it sounds like something out of a history book. Yeah. Like a monarchy and believe everything you hear. Yeah, you could write that fantasy book yeah. based gonna, on reality. And actually, people would think it was fantasy. Like I'm going to tell you a little later about another kingdom gone wrong. <laughs> okay, in, perfect. In, in Clipperton Island. I think I think he would, if he were to visit Halifax, I think Donaire's would never be the same. He would he like there would be a king of Donaire in every corner in Pyongyang or yeah 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 unreal. Let's go to let's go to South Africa. All right. Uh, Do you guys ever hear of Freddie Blom? No. Speaking of history books, born in 1904, uh, he just passed away. He would be the world's oldest man. Um, just died. So you think I'm like 116 years old? He he lost his entire family in the uh, what was it the uh, Spanish flu? Oh my God! Like. like so he's been on his own for a while. On his own. And he worked like, so he worked on a farm most of his life. He was a laborer his entire life. Retired from construction in his 80s. Oh, he's like, ah, I don't really have any secrets. Uh, I, I just praise God. And, you know, like I quit drinking a couple of years ago. Um, 
I had to quit smoking because I can't roll my own cigarettes. I can't get my uh, can't get my tobacco during COVID. <laughs> so he had to quit smoking at 160. That might have killed rough. him. That's it. Yeah. Like, and they always say that you're like like I got members of my family. They're like, oh, you know what? They've got so many health issues, but it's not going to be one of those that takes them. He's gonna. You watch. He'll quit smoking at some point, and then, boom. Yeah, the body can't take it. Yeah. yeah. Too much to change. Um, Imagine. Two world wars, a couple of pandemics. It's a pretty good go. Yeah. Raptors championship. There was a, <laughs> there was an interesting study they did um, when they noticed, I don't know if I've said this on the show or not, but they noticed a bunch of, like, the nuns, like Catholic nuns, w- were on average living a lot longer than other people. I'm like, well, that's weird. And being scientists, they're like, well, it's probably not the fact that they're Catholic. It's probably something to do with the fact that they're nuns. And so they looked, and their findings turned out to be it's because they never stopped working. And so, like, basically the key to a really long life is to always be doing stuff. Because when you're a nun, you don't retire. Mm-hmm. You just work until you can't, right? And then, and then you'll eventually uh, pass on. But um, I think this might have been, like, he was a construction worker until he was 80. So it probably just helped sustain, pumping. you know, like, I mean, he's being physical. He's getting out. And you hear about the decline in people's lives after they retire because then they start sitting around, they start drinking a bit more beer, smoking a couple cigars, and like they're not doing what they used to, and then their health just drops off because they're not keeping busy. So I think that uh, that's my health tip: it's just work until you're dead. I think the older generation just just does that. Like, yeah, uh, kind of shout out, I guess, to one of my buddies. He was uh, <clears throat> he was saying he piled some wood for his grandmother and. Uh, he was saying that she she did it till she was like 82, 83, you know, years old, and she's got a bad back now. So him and a couple buddies um, decided that they were going to help, and then they put a plea out on kind of Facebook that anyone else who wanted help that it was elderly that they would come pile their wood kind of yeah. help them out too. And most of the people who they're helping are like older people mm-hmm. who have did this five cords of wood in their basement, yeah, yeah. lugged it yeah. upstairs for... 30, 40 years, like they, like you said, they don't stop. Yeah. So if they stopped, they'd probably never get it back. But yeah. when you keep doing it, it's just part of what you do. So, you know, it's not, the age doesn't become a factor. And, you know, we've got 18-year-old kids that don't do that stuff now, That's right? It, so yeah. if you never start it, yeah. right, they'll, they'll never get there because they, they never had to work out, yeah. to, you know, to begin with. So. Well, that's why every time Dad asked me to help him with the wood, I'm like, no, Dad, I care about you. You need, <laughs> I want you, you need to, to do, do this yourself. This I'm is, doing this for you. Yeah, you need to do this for you. That's right. Uh, because I, I want you to have a good long life. Is that why he seemed cold about the uh, the wood that I stacked at, uh, <laughs> at the cottage that time? Yeah, I'm like, man, you got to let the old man do his thing. Guys, I'm going out to get the stuff from the truck. <laughs> Half hour later, there's a quarter wood stack. Yeah. The um, What was I going to say? There's a couple of guys that I've played hockey with over the last couple of years, like the Saturday morning crew and... And there's, they're of a, of a wide different range, some older guys who play. And I'm like, man, I want to be like you. I want to play into my 60s. And this, I think, here, just seeing a couple of them around town, and they're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to go back. I don't think I'm going to keep playing. I, th- I think of those guys when I think of just the way that kind of the ripple effect from the pandemic. That uh, Yeah, you're going to see a lot of fallout of people changing their activities. Yeah, I also was reading an article today um, about they think like a change in the social structure and the way like in your own social groups because you need to invest in your friendships to maintain your friendships. Big time. And then 
they're saying that a lot of the more distant friendships might disappear forever, and you're gonna have to work hard to get back the friendships you had before, which mm. I thought was kind of interesting. And then they looked at monkeys and things, and it's all about like, well, because monkeys are very social, and so it'd be like. Monkeys, like, it's very proportional to how much a monkey will jump in and defend another monkey. And it's all based on time spent together, right? So it's all about investment. So they're worried about, like, a collapse of, of like, to already make things worse, people are already isolated and lonely. But, like, their friendships might be irreparably damaged, which I, I can see somewhat. But then I got, like, my buddy Mike, which I could not talk to him for a year. And, it, like, and he's still my best we friend. All have yeah. Those. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are good ones. Yeah. But, like, so, I mean... I guess for some people, I, I I feel pretty good about my friendships, but uh, but there could be a real issue for people coming out of this pandemic. But I think sometimes nowadays there's some people that we shouldn't have in our life. I think sometimes the social media and the connections that we have, like there's, I'm sure there's times that you, you know you just deleted someone off your list because it's that one person that comments every five years something dumb and you just don't right. Yeah. Like this this social media things connects us to a lot of things we don't need to know to people that we probably would never be connected with. And like, I have this kind of whole thought about the whole mental health pandemic and other things about how it's attributed to how we live a lot of our life online and how we gravitate to things that we wouldn't. Like, I remember when I was younger, we didn't have the cell phones and whatever. And, you know, you'd see your buddies walking down to go down somewhere to play and they've had a couple hockey sticks and you'd run out and that's how... You kind of connect it, right? Or you were yeah. walking somewhere and so some and some, some so and so told you that they were going to do this later. It was word of mouth, but somehow life connected you to the people to do the things you were supposed to. We don't let life do that anymore. We no. connect to anyone we want at any time, and some of those people aren't supposed to be in our life. Yeah. And I'm not supposed to know what Ellen DeGeneres is doing, and I'm not supposed to know what so and so is doing. I know a lot more about people's lives who people who I never talked to because of Facebook. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. extra stress. It's this and that. So. In a way, it might be bad, but in a way, it might be good because we nurture those things that really do count. Yeah. And we end up having the relationships that we're supposed to have. You know what I mean? And the quality of what they are, that life drove us together for a reason, and those are the things we should work at. And maybe it's a good thing in a way that we, we roll out some of those superficial things that, you know, we think we need to. But I support that. And that silver lining is brought to you by Counselor Steve there Barry. Some, <laughs> some in-depth thought there. Yeah, yeah that's good, good, good. I was at the beach. We, t- we did a beach day last week. Beach great. Just to add, add to social skills. John's Cove, full day at the beach. Not something we often do. Sand is, right. sand is okay, but it was, work. It, was, it, was a, it was a wicked day. But my two boys, we spent so much time home with them. And the odd time, a friend will come over. But I never get to see them out like in the wild with other kids. Interacting I'm always that. teaching. They're, they're at school. How do they get along? So... As we're at John's Cove, we went there relatively early. Family ends up down the beach there. Another one goes down the other way. And then so eventually there's like 12 kids at, who span out the, whole, the entire length of the, uh, the beach. And we caught some pretty big crabs. So we were pretty pumped about those. We had them in a bucket. Dad said, hey, can I go play with those kids down there? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's, I didn't know people do that anymore. <laughs> that's so a great this, idea. This is pre-social media. So we're talking seven, five-year-olds. Emmett takes his bucket, and I hear him. He's like, hey, we caught some crabs. Do you want to look at them? And so they're looking at them. Next thing you know, he comes back. He's can I bring my toys down there? So we brought the shovels and stuff down, and they played for about an hour and a half until that family left. And it, I'm thinking, that's, that's cool. Because that, 
I, a, I know my kids aren't fucktards, um, <laughs> and, and they can socialize. And, and, and B, it's kind of disappointing because I know that someday social media is going to become a thing for them. And, and the person that he is on the beach, or the person that he is when he's away from a screen, won't be the person that he needs to project into right. social media. And yeah. I'm like, damn it. Be, he'll never... We can't be ourselves. No, it's just, it's just a piece. And I'd, I think one of the things that it, it has really kind of clued in for me is the meetings that we do online now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so like, so council meetings for me and school meetings for me and other committee meetings. And it's just like, I'm in my living room, right? In my shorts and I might throw on a dress shirt or something, yeah. you know, and Pants it's still look good, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, but you're still sitting there with your dogs, kind of the same place you just watched TV the night before. And it's like, you don't get to feed off people's emotions or just see their face mm-hmm. and their reactions. It's just, it's so insensitive, right? And so now yeah. we're talking about trying to get back into chambers because, uh, you know, for the reasons I just mentioned, yeah. because there's, there's something to be said about being in the same room, which is why school works the way it works. And, yeah. you know, because being there kind of means something, but you don't realize like how much that human interaction plays on you. Like I remember going back to Heritage the first time after it opened with some staff and just, it's like, man, people yeah. just here. Like, you, and it's like, I found myself staring, like just watching people. Cause it's like, Oh, you're out and around again. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it, you, you don't realize how much that human touch really plays a part. And, and when I think of that, like I think of the elderly people, who we've we've isolated to take care of, but who still don't have that, you know, for a lot of people, that's the only interaction they get, a son or their daughter to come Mm -hmm. get a meal an hour or two a week or whatever. And obviously we isolate them for the proper reasons because we care in the health thing or whatever, but at the end of the day, they're They're, isolated. They're pretty isolated to begin with. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And then now the visits are like an hour or through a window, and you wonder how much sometimes people are just like, well, is this a life I want to live? You know, because they're not social media, they're older, and you know, not that they can't be, but some are, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I just, I really think there's a lot to be said for human touch, human, human interaction, for being in a room with other people. And I think maybe that's a lesson that our kids needed to learn. Maybe oh, that's something like, you know, our generation yeah. knows it a little more. The plaything outdoors that you just said is yeah, yeah. we did that. Yeah. But that might have been the first time your kids ever. Yeah. You know, and then now that we're socially distancing and doing all that, we don't encourage that even less now. Yeah. We, you know, less than what they were already not mm-hmm. doing anyhow. Right. But I think that's an important part. And I, I do think, like I said, the life kind of draws you to where you're supposed to be or who you're supposed to be around. And, you know, that interaction was probably good for your kids and probably oh, for the huge, other kids yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Like, that being said, as we were packing up, there's this one kid comes over with this huge water gun, one of the ones where you suck up the water. Mm-hmm. and uh, Super soakers, baby. Yeah, and I was down, like, rinsing stuff off, getting the sand off, where we throw it in the back of the truck. And he comes over, he's like, ha-ha. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. I was just swimming a second ago, but uh, you know what? Please, please don't do that again. And, like, if it was a shot to my back or, like, even my chest, That'd be fine, but it was in my eyeballs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> You've yeah, had some yeah. rough eye trouble. I've yeah. had a, I've had a go. People are attacking your sight. So I think I'm like, excuse me, please, please. And I kind of I kind of grabbed the front of it and put it down, and I'm like, please don't do that again. And then I went back to rinsing <laughs> up. Sure enough, he comes back, comes around to the. I turn my back to him and comes around, boom, right back in the eyes. And then I grabbed it. And I'm like. I asked you politely as I'm filling it up and I'm just feeding them. <laughs> and I'm like, here's your gun. There's your parents. Go. I'm like, wow, I'm usually the child's entertainer at any of these yeah. outings. 
And uh, kill him with a vibe, kid. Don't <laughs> go for the eyes. Yeah. It's like going for Ben's neck. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's like well, I was a summer camp counselor, and I, I hate you. spiders. And a kid, you know, they always find out somehow. Counselors are telling all this guy doesn't like spiders. And this, you know, twelve year old kid, ha, <laughs> he gets a stick, a big spider on it. He's like, ha, <laughs> he's sticking it at me, sticking it. And I just stopped, and I'm like, I just want you to understand that I will hit you. <laughs> Like, yeah, I will I'm beat down a child. Like, because I, I, I told you to stop five times. And if you come at me one more time, like, this is where I draw the line. I hate spiders. <laughs> like, I'm not joking here, bud. Yeah. And you got to learn no is no. You don't know me like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the, parent, the parents got the vibe when I got really serious and polite. Yeah. I asked you politely to not do that again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But for that guy, is not the child entertainer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't be everything to everyone. <laughs> we all have our moments. Yeah. Any corners around? Uh, yes, we got corners. We are in a room. Science Corner. Yeah. I like that drop. I do too. It's my favorite. I, I, made it. I, think, <laughs> I think it's right up there with the uh, the Bartman. I like the beat from the, the song The Bartman. The Bartman? I yeah. don't know the beat. You don't know the song Do the Bartman? Do the Bartman. Do the Bartman. Barry, you, Barry, you know like, Do the Bartman. Yes. From Simpsons. Thank you. Yes. I, I vaguely remember. But from side to side, Do the Bartman. I, don't, I vaguely remember. Best at our television, five to six o'clock, CBC. Oh my, I know. Fresh Prince right after. <laughs> that was it. the best. Right in from street that hockey. Was, that was and the, sit down. Yeah, that was that was the best. I remember the first episode, like the first time I was allowed to watch it, and uh, it was the one where Bart moons some. Uh, he does it a couple times. I think he moons the principal Seymour or something. And then my parents are a little off. I'm like, well, showing his butt. <laughs> you know, like. Man, you're not allowed to show your butt to people. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember my parents were like, "Yeah, you can't, you can't watch this show." Yeah. And like compared to now, yeah. it's like family television. Yeah. I make references when I'm teaching skating to the kids, and I'm like, "Get your butt down, get it lower," and the kids are like, "Oh my god!" And then I'll, then I'll throw it like, "Ben, shave those sideburns," <laughs> <laughs> and, and nobody gets it. So anyway, back to the science about to happen. Uh, we're going down to the wonderful land of Florida because we like been. we like to go there. I've been there. It's muggy, uh, lots of thunder showers. Covidy, swing state. Yeah, one of the more important states for some reason. Um, but with all that mugginess and raininess, uh, they have a lot of mosquitoes. And what we've learned over the past couple hundred years is that. Mosquitoes are the most dangerous animal on the planet. They kill the most people out of any animal. Even more than people. Really? Yeah. Guns don't kill people. Dengue fever kills people. Mosquitoes do. I mean, they both do. So there's been a lot of talk about genetically modifying mosquitoes because they are such a threat. Uh, 50% of the world population is at risk from mosquito illness. 50%. 50%. Is at risk. It's not saying they all have it, but like they all could get it. You know what I mean? Because you think most of our people live in warmer areas, right? Uh, yeah. So 
They're running out of trial in Florida, and they're releasing 750 million mosquitoes that have been genetically modified to reduce local populations. Uh, so the aim is to reduce the number of mosquitoes that carry diseases like dengue and the Zika virus. Remember when we were scared of the Zika virus? That was right in the Olympics, wasn't it? Yeah. Brazil. Zika. Um, the green light of a pilot project after years of debate drew a swift outcry from environmental groups who warned of unintended consequences. Because, I mean, genetically modifying things is always kind of scary because you mm. change one thing, you don't always know what you're going to get. Caveat emptor. Yeah, so there's calling it the Jurassic Park experiment, yeah. which is a little, little over too much. Yeah. Activism warns of possible damage to ecosystems and the potential creation of a hybrid insecticide-resistant mosquitoes. But the thing is, is that these mosquitoes are already evolving pesticide insecticide. They're doing it anyways. Yeah, so we need to find another way to attack them. Uh, only female mosquitoes are the ones that bite. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't know, males that's are great. cool. Yeah, yeah, males are chill. Chill down with the dudes. Uh, because the females need to make eggs, so they need that extra energy so they can produce the eggs. So the plan is to re- release males and that have been modified who will hopefully breed with the female mosquitoes. But these males have a protein that will kill off any female offspring before they re- uh, reach mature biting age. So they genetically modify them just to basically kill off the second generation females. Because the males will just chill out and drink nectar and, and uh, party on, you know, have a good time. And so this, then it would reduce the spread to humans. So they're doing it in the Florida Keys, uh, and they're doing it in 2021. So the, yeah, the room. So just around the corner. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. Less um, mosquitoes would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, 750 million, as I said, modified mosquitoes, and it's going to be over two years. But there's like 240,000 people who have signed a petition on change uh, slamming this plan because they're using the U.S. as a, a testing ground for mutant bugs. Go try it in another country. It'd be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, they, they're already doing similar tests be, um, in Brazil because, I mean, they have a lot of issues yeah. over there too. So they are doing laboratory experiments of different genetically modified organisms. The big worry... The modifying the mosquitoes themselves, I don't believe, is going to create a crazy hybrid mosquito that we can't kill, you know, and has one mission, destroy mankind. We're coming for you. The, the worry is the food chain, right? Yeah. Because they are food for other things. But, I mean, because they are food for a lot of things. But I think... There's still going to be a lot of them. Well, yeah. So even if we... we there's only certain species of mosquito that carry these diseases. There are other, like, we don't get these diseases because our species of mosquitoes don't carry those diseases. We get the good ones. Yeah, they still suck, though. We can They're kill those terrible. ones, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can go with ticks. Just because you remove mosquitoes from the food chain doesn't mean that, like, the entire food chain is going to collapse. Because, yes, you have bats and spiders, and then you'll have lar- the larvae live in water, so then they feed fish. Because it's a food web. Yeah. It's a food web. Now, it could disrupt it for a little while, but other insects will move in to fill that role. So there, I don't believe that there's that much of a risk. The, the benefits far outweigh the risks. Yeah, you're, you're, you're trying to defend against disease. Yeah. And pesky mosquitoes. And pesky mosquitoes. But remember, we talked about it one time, dubstep. This is way back last season. Dubstep right. is one of the few things that will deter mosquitoes. So 
up here, we won't have these trials for a long time because we don't actually have the diseases, so you just have to rely on dubstep. Unfortunately, yeah, that's all we have is dubstep. We're yeah. going to need a dubstep drop. Yeah. Maybe do we don't. Maybe we don't. I wish I never said uh, yeah, that. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we don't need a dubstep drop. Cut it's on the way. <laughs> yeah. A little I, warning for our listeners to turn the volume down. Yeah. I don't have it today, but someday I'm just going to... I'm just going to hit it. Just drop it. it. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's all the science I got for you today. I'm liking that, though. Yeah. I wonder, like, what would, what would be another pest you'd love to see go? The ticks. Ticks, for sure. Ah, ticks are cute. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Lyme disease, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, the dogs and the people. But you know what? Yeah. I've never had Lyme disease, so yeah. is it real? That's true. I you had a mean? tick I call in it, me. I call it Lyme disease. I had a tick in me this year. Yeah, um, it scared me, Guaranteed. but I got I went right away and I just took a bunch of antibiotics, and I don't think I have Lyme disease. They seem to be more in front of it than when it first came. When it first came, it was like you bit, you got the t- yeah. tick bite, you're in trouble. Now it's like we're okay if you can get here quick enough and get, her get some antibiotics. Well, yeah, because the, the treatment is pretty simple. It's right. just take a few pills and you should be good to go. I think it's the if people you do who it get early. the bite who don't know it, that was it until yeah. the symptoms come and then you're like really into it and it's like, man, then like it's I know old. one guy who was like down and out and he could barely move for like a couple weeks and, you know, like it hurt to do this and hurt to do that. And he was like a hard working mason, like, you know, wood, Work, wood physical guy, work. Yeah, yeah, and just like psh, couldn't roll over in bed and grab a glass of water. But I mean, he came around now, but it took a while. I think he was down like two years almost with it. Oh, but this is when it originally kind of was really bad and... You know, I, th- I think we've evolved from it to deal with it a little better now. But it is scary for the amount of ticks we have around, too, right? So. One of my students, he would have been a grade 8 student. He, uh, I had him at cross-country provincials, and he was complaining of sore knees. And I was talking to his mom, and, he, and they were trying to figure out what was wrong. And he's like, yeah, very athletic, excellent runner, good hockey player, baseball player. Then during COVID, two months ago, I'm talking to his mom again, and uh, she's like, you wouldn't believe it. You got Lyme disease. Whatever the name it. Um, yeah, his, she sent me a picture of his knees. It's swollen beyond. He, this is one of the most active kids. He's out in the woods. He's working. He's, he's doing whatever he can to make money or to be Stops active. Slows anybody. And yeah, totally just laid him out. That's Bad stuff. Nightmare. The scary thing too is, is the neurological symptoms. Like it actually yeah. changes your brain chemistry, which is terrifying. And then, of course, the lone star tick that makes you allergic to red meat. I vote no. If, yeah. if that were to run in like a like a insect election, yeah, no, I <laughs> say no to long. I would I, I would go to like June bugs or something. I wouldn't mind getting rid of June bugs, but I think see I think they're a more valuable food source. And I don't really mind for what they're a pain when the birds banging. Birds on don't seat. need to eat; they fly. <laughs> they get to eat cotton candy in the sky. Go to Florida and eat their bad mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> they eat all winter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys uh, want to try out a little new segment? Yeah. All right. Welcome to Storytime with Ben Drew. Recline your chair and put back your hair and be taken on a magical adventure. So yeah, so Ben's not here this week, so I thought I'd take over his histories and mysteries with a little story time. Do it right. Yeah. Yeah. I told, I was, I was like, Steve, can you come on the, sh- you want to come on the show this week? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I got good news. Ben's not here this week. <laughs> I'm like, in. Clear my yeah, schedule. Yeah. He's like, I had stuff to do, but this Canceled. is the week. Mission poker game right now. 
true story. Yeah. Um, so I alluded earlier about this, uh, the kingdom of Clipperton Island. Um, so we're going to learn a bit, and it's going to go through a bit of history, but it's a pretty crazy story. So Clipperton Island is a small coral atoll located in the Pacific Ocean, about 1,300 kilometers southwest of Acapulco, um, in, that's in Mexico. It is an island completely isolated. The closest landmass is almost 1,000 kilometers away, <laughs> and it's only nine square miles, uh, nine square kilometer surface area. So it's, it's a very small island. This also includes an inner lagoon um, that takes up the entire middle of it. So it's basically like a, a, a little ring of land with a big lagoon in the middle just sitting out in the middle of the ocean. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It sounds cool, but it's not... I mean... It, it, Until you tell me that it's a thousand <laughs> miles away or a yeah, thousand yeah, yeah. miles from town. Um, it's a long trip to town. Yeah. It neither on Sobe. So for the longest time, forever, it was, a, it was a piece of land that didn't have any interest in it, and it stayed completely uninhabited. So the land contains scrub brush, coconut trees, and thousands of crabs. <laughs> and then when you have crabs and all these things, then you get lots of seabirds. So it became like a, a haven for seabirds. Seabirds loved it. So they, they could go dive in the water, and then they'd go roost up on the rocks. So from May to October, it's battered by, uh, by brutal storms, and it's perpetually covered in bird shit because there's so many birds. Bird shit island. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like... A lovely place. It'd be like building a house on a seagull island it in, in cool. Yarmouth Harbor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. Good idea in theory. Yeah, so it does look cool. It looks like you're, you have like a giant swimming pool island, right? But then mm -hmm. you're like, oh, but it's covered in pounds and pounds of bird shit. It's, really, it's a slippery island. <laughs> yeah. And it's just battered by storms. Yeah. It's, it's a brutal place. Wear old pants. But for some reason, many groups of people tried to take control of this island throughout history. This became a very important island to many countries. So the island was discovered at the beginning of the 18th century by John Clipperton, which is where the island gets its name from. He was a pirate uh, and an English course hare who dedicated himself, among other things, to attacking Spanish possessions and ships in the name of Her British Majesty the King. Although there's no document, uh, like evidence, uh, is cl claimed that he used the island as a base for his operations. So some people believe they actually buried treasure up there. Back to the shit base. So, the, I mean, it'd be kind of a cool, like, shit island oh, yeah, secret yeah. hideout, you know? Ooh. No one no one's going there. But, yeah, but he Obviously. was only there for a short time, probably because of all the poop. Yeah. So then 1804, Alexander von Humboldt was in Peru when he noticed locals. So this is where the island starts getting actual significance. Yeah, yeah. So he's looking at the locals, the Peruvians, using bird poop as fertilizers for their crops. So he took a sample of this bird poop back to Europe for analysis and blew everyone's mind. What so, year was this story? 1804. 1804, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was 1997. <laughs> <laughs> so this bird poop, also called guano, gave incredible crop yields. So it blew everybody away. It was like a renaissance in farming. Like They're like, how did We're you back. do that as much? It, uh, like it, it would double crops, you know? Like So... All of a sudden, these there's because there's a bunch of these little islands out there. So these bird shit covered islands became really valuable because of the bird poop itself, because it's great for growing crops. So then we start the battle for bird shit. In Straight up bird shit wars. Yeah, we have whole nations fighting over control of bird poop islands for the poop itself. 
1856, the U.S. passed Guano Island Act, allowing any American to claim any uninhabited island that had guano on it. So it's like, by God, I'm an American, and I can take any island covered in shit I want. This is a- <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> and it's like, and like, that's the thing. It had to have shit on it, though. Um, can't just take any island. No. The Manifest Destiny is... Doesn't apply to non-shit islands. Yeah. In this case, they still had their other manifest destiny. Yeah. Like Poop that. of mass destruction. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go in. Yeah. <laughs> We're saving the world. Yeah. So the Oceanic Phosphate Company uh, landed because guano has phosphate in it and phosphorus is one of the biggest things for growing plants. And it's hard to get because you get it from rocks. Um, so it's, it's one of the limiting factors in growing stuff. So... The Oceanic Phosphate Company landed on Clipperton, and they're an American company. So Mexico did not like this because it's off their coast. They're like, well, this is, this is our island. If you don't want... And, and they want the poop for themselves. They're like, Take the poop. So Mexico's like, no, bro. Like, this, Can't take this, our poop. This is my poop island, right? <laughs> and, so, and Mexico considered the island to be theirs. So while this is going on, meanwhile in Paris, Napoleon III wanted in on the action. Oh, and nice. he declared Clipperton was France's island. Now, he was still kind of a big deal, so that scared off the U.S. and Mexico. They're like, okay, well, we don't yeah. want to go hey, at it. He's got a bit of an empire on the go there. We're good. So Paris, in uh, 1858, Paris goes over, sends people over, and they annexed the island, and they kicked out all the miners that were on it. So they just went and took it. But then in 1870, the Napoleon government crashes... Uh, and burns. Didn't end well, no. So then they lose control of the island because the whole thing collapsed down. So let's go to Porfirio Diaz, who was a Mexican dictator who took power in 1878. Sorry for all the numbers, but we're just slowly moving through the time. I love history. Um, and he wanted Clipperton Island. So in 1897, he took it, kicking out the inhabitants, and he planted the Mexican flag, but he didn't leave anybody behind. He's like, <laughs> So then, leaving the keys in your ignition, walking away. Yeah. So eighteen ninety nine, the British are like, "No, the island's ours." It's like, <laughs> so it's just a series of different countries. Like, "No, nah, it's my island. You guys get off." But no, he's like leaving a guard. So the British say in eighteen ninety nine uh, that the island was theirs and took it, and they did not care what anybody else thought because you know that's what the Brits did. They're yeah. quote, you know, oh nice uh, country there, India. It's mine. Sweet. Yeah. So. Porfirio Diaz knew that he couldn't fight the Brits for the island, so he cut them a deal. The Brits could work the island all they wanted if they recognized Mexican sovereignty. So they said, okay, it's Mexican's island, but we're going to work it. Everything good we get. Yeah. Yeah, great deal. (laughs) But Diaz just didn't want to lose the control. As long as you say it's ours. So this is the first time that the island starts to actually develop. The Brits go to the island and they build a colony. They built rock gardens, vegetable gardens, um, planted palm trees, built houses, and they even made a lighthouse on the highest point of the island. Wow. So, like, it's becoming a real... Now, this might be a place you want to go. But then the British started to realize that the colony was a big waste of time because the transport co- uh, cost of the guano. Like, because you got to ship off. it all the way back to right. Britain. It's all the way across you the know, world. Like, so so they're, not, they're not making any money on this. And then they, and they real and also they realized that the island could never be self-sufficient. So you're always going to have to send supplies and keep the supplies coming. 
So they abandoned the island in 1909. So now we're getting closer to our time. Oh, yeah. I, I remember 1909. <laughs> I, like mean, I mean, yeah. Buddy was alive, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Buddy, Buddy Pine Freddy, and Wood. Freddie Blum. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, leaving be- so they left behind a man and his wife as caretakers. So they're like, okay. but we're, So we're taking off. We'll keep you there. Thanks so, for sticking around. <laughs> yeah. It's been great. Keep, yeah. keep up the good work. Send some bread. So Diaz, once again, the Mexican leader... Um, he's like, well, remember, we make, we had control. So he ordered 13 soldiers to go to the island. And they were to colonize the island. And to you know make it a little better, he was going to let them bring their wives, their children, and some servants. Because, you know, you need your servants. So 100 Mexicans landed on Clipperton Island in 1910 to join the two caretakers. So the most important guy on this island was a man named Ramon Arnaud. Sounds important. Yeah, who was sent Ramon. there... So mm-hmm. he was like he was like governor of the island, but I mean it's a shitty job, and he was Literally. being punished for for going there. So he was sent there as a punishment for being an army deserter, um, but he became the acting governor of the island with his wife Alicia. Was it the owner how pissed off she was? Yeah. Well, stay with your platoon. God damn. You just wait. It's, it gets dark. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a teenager, Tirza Randon. Uh, which we'll learn more about later. Last but not least, uh, out of these hundreds, there was a man named Victoriano Alvarez, who was this big, stocky guy, and he was the lighthouse keeper. Um, he, he was a strange, uh, strange duck. He would lock himself away in the lighthouse for weeks at a time, and he's kind of a moody guy, so he didn't get along with people. So the movie was about him. <laughs> yeah, the lighthouse movie. So supplies came from Mexico every two months, but meanwhile, as they were settling onto the island, the Mexican Revolution kicked into high gear. And they Ooh. got rid of Diaz because he was also a dictator. But the people on the island were a thousand kilometers away and they had no idea. So they're out there on a mission from Diaz and, you know, it's the Mexican Revolution. They don't know. So luckily for the colony, the supply ships still kept coming even in... Um, with the, the overthrow of the government. So they, they lucked out in that regard because there could have been a world where just, oh, no more yeah. supply ships. Let's not go there anymore. Yeah. But then in 1914, the revolution in Mexico spun out of control and Clipperton became forgotten. And this is when the supply ships stopped coming. So, you know, Ooh. you're waiting for your two month supply, nothing comes. Well, any day now. And another month goes by. And this I'm is going to get dark. <laughs> Where's my smokes? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is where it starts to uh, take a darker you turn. You think the lighthouse guy Where's was moody my, before? Where's my beef jerky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're all frolicking and having fun in the bird ship before, but now they're you know, starting to get a little peckish. And then the governor, uh, Ramon, uh, knew that they were cut off. He's like, okay, we're, we're in serious trouble here. So that summer, a U.S. ship got to Clipperton, set on rescuing the British caretaker and his wife that I mentioned mm-hmm. were left behind. Yep. So they were sent there to rescue those two people. But the Americans um, informed Ramon that Mexico was crumbling and World War I had just started. And the U.S. Cop- captain offered to evacuate all the Mexican residents as well. He's like, yo, like, your government's gone, the world's at war. Yeah. You're not getting supplies. Like, we'll, we'll take you home. It's the least, you know, that's a nice Give you a free ride. thing to do. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. Ramon turned him down. 
Nobody really knows why, but they think maybe because he originally was an army deserter. He doesn't he was, want, yeah. He was right. trying to like. I'm king here. Yeah. I'm not going back to I'm, being no I'm standing my post. That's right. I'm the governor. I've learned my lesson from deserting. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So 1915, still no supply ships. Uh, the old vegetable gardens were dead. So this left the colonists only coconuts and crabs to eat. Oh, Everyone's getting scurvy because they had no vitamin C. Yeah. So, and scurvy's brutal. I mean, your teeth start to fall out, your skin flakes off. Like it's, Nobody's it's, kissing anybody. Yeah, it's a rough disease. So by 1916, a year later, 75% of the colonists were dead. Boom. Just from the scurvy. Yeah. Men, women, and children. Which is only three people, but still. <laughs> <laughs> um, while times were awful, someone spotted a ship on the horizon. Uh, so, but it was too far for rescue. So, like... You know, there's only a handful of folks left on the island. Everyone's dead. They see a ship. So Ramon demanded that all the men join him in a rowboat to chase after that ship. He's like, I need every man on board because they had a little dinghy there. And, like, we're going after that ship. So they all jump in the boat, and then they chase after it. And all the women and children are standing on shore watching <laughs> as the boat capsizes. And all the men drown. And all the men drown. Wow. So now all the men are dead. Was Ramon with them? Ramon was with the man. Oh, he so was leading the mission. Like, and it was like, imagine you see a ship on the horizon, like a yeah. sail ship, and you're like, rowing your boat. You know what? It's probably better than cannibalism or years more of crabs and coconuts. So. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. In a, he's in a better place. That's right. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, Ramon and the four other men were drowned uh, when this raft sank, in which they tried to reach the ship. Directly after this happens, a huge storm, because they said there's lots of storms, a huge storm swept in. You saw the bodies, you sure? And it, no, well, it just destroyed all the homes, all the wooden homes, all the shelters. So, so like, it's coming in. Yeah. yeah, so it's like everything's just piling and piling. Should have just got on the ship remote. Yeah, yeah. the it's Americans. Free ride. I know they're, the they're Americans, but you take the ride, take <laughs> the ride. After the storm had passed and the women are standing around the ruins surveying like, the destruction, this sucks. Like, they realize that there is one more survivor the lighthouse keeper. He had survived uh, everything while being locked away in the lighthouse. <laughs> so as I said, all the men had left in the boat. So now, and he's a big dude. He's the only man on the island with a bunch of women. This is where it gets really dark. So Victoriano Alvarez, the lighthouse keeper, seeing that it was only women and children, immediately set to work going through all the wreckage and taking all the weapons. And he locks them in his lighthouse. He told the women that he was now king. He's King Alvarez. And <sighs> yeah, like this guy's going off. Uh, and he was the master of the island. And the women only now existed on the island to pleasure him. And if they resisted them, he would torture them. It would be bad. Yeah. So and what he, you going to do? Yeah. So this is like a little mini uh, North Korea almost. That's not good. <laughs> no. So over the next three months, uh, he beat and sexually assaulted the women of the island. Um, he, and he ended up killing four of the women. So this guy was just a maniac, a total monster. So the women knew that um, they were their only hope. They're like, no one else is going to help them. They have to do something. Alvarez would hold back from sexually assaulting uh, Alicia Arnold, which was the governor's wife. Yep. Um, and we don't know why, but they think maybe because she was an ex-governor's uh, wife, so he held her in a bit higher esteem. Yep. So, and he held off for 18 months, but then one day he's like, couldn't take it anymore. He was sick of the women, I guess, that he was terrorizing. 
and Tirza Randon, that teenager I mentioned before, she was one of the main focuses of Alvarez. So he kept her locked in the lighthouse for weeks on end. So when he returned to the other women to drop uh, Randon off, the teenage girl, he demanded that the governor's window, uh, widow join him the next day. And Randon whispered to Alicia, uh, Alicia, now is the time. So the next morning, Alicia Arnaud and Randon walked up to the lighthouse as instructed by Alvarez. And he was outside cooking a seabird. Um, and mm. he seemed to be actually in quite high spirit. So he was able to spear a seabird. And I think he was, you know, he was like, okay, I got the governor's wife. I'm going to cook a nice bird, you know. She's going to forget all the terrible shit. She's going to fall for him. No yeah. crabs tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but then he saw that the governor's wife was with this teenage girl and he became very angry. So he demanded to know why Randon had come back um, with her. While Alvarez was throwing his little hissy fit at Arnaud, uh, Randon, the, the, the victimized teenage girl, snuck away into the lighthouse. And she came back out with a hammer behind her back. So he's flipping out on her. She crept up on Alvarez. And, and as she neared him, he turned around to see what, uh, what she was doing. And then she two hands just started bashing him in the head with a hammer. So she hit him three times, shattering his skull and killing him. All I can think of is uh, Elton John's Island Girl. <laughs> so... At least, like, he finally got his comeuppance, right? Like, this yeah. evil, terrible man. He got so, it. So very shortly after this, a warship from the U.S. passed by the island, and this time they got time on the boat. Go. Yeah. So the 11 survivors. So it picked up the 11 survivors. There was four women and seven children by the end of it, out of the 100. Um, and July 2nd, 1917, the rescue boat reached shore, finally ending the Clipperton colony. 1917. Yeah. So. This was a good year. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that was right before the Spanish flu. <laughs> that year, that year where they were capsized and then King takes over. That sounds like, that sounds like 2020 material. Yeah. It, it was a, uh, it was a brutal go. So it's crazy. The history of this is this little tiny donut in the middle of the water and the wars were fought over it and there was a psychotic King of it for a while, but. Finally, all is well because he got his brains bashed in. You could make like a Forrest Gump style movie. <laughs> they would have just got just, on the boat the first time. And then I know, like, just right? get on the boat. Right. Like they're here to save you. But you can't play what ifs. You're know? at the party and you got to yeah. ride home, take the ride. Because yeah, you're but, not going to get a cab later. And there's no beds. There's snow. <laughs> there's only crabs and coconuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So what are you here for? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Get the hell out. Yeah. Abort mission. But that's, a, that's an example. Like he was too prideful. And sometimes pride causes man to fall. But anyway, I thought that was a pretty incredible uh, little piece of history. That's a lot of juice. Benton couldn't have told it that good. <laughs> no, wouldn't have happened. You know, and I didn't even no. study history. That's that's the kicker. Neither did he. Man, I, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could I could feel the passion in your uh, delivery. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I think there's only one more thing I want delivered on this show this evening before we wrap up. And it's Mr. Barry. Please tell me what you're thinking of. It's the big announcement. The big oh, announcement. Here it is. Here it is. Actually, the last time I was here, 
or the first time I was here was the, the original rollout for the election. And I'm happy to say at nine o'clock this morning, I had an appointment at a town hall to hand in my papers and I will be reoffering for re-election on October 17th for town council once again. So thank you. Yes! Hoping for the, the same support and the, the, the same uh, kind of grassroots, um, you know, Facebook, everybody kind of sharing the bear and doing what they can like last time, and hopefully we'll have the same results. So, so yeah, to all our uh, loyal listeners of the, the Barncast, we call our fans the Barnyard. Um, they don't call themselves that, but okay. we call them that. <laughs> we, and we, th- we think they're out there. Yeah. Okay. Some are. I, I talk to them. Yeah. Anyway, um, keep a watch out for Steve Barry. Um, share... Um, his pose, get out there, especially if you're in town, then vote for him and tell all your friends to vote for him. He's been doing great things. Please do. And he'll continue to do great things. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to, to be back. I I think the year and a half experience was nice to go and get my feet under me and learn the ropes, and I'm looking forward to what four more years could do, hopefully for our town, rejuvenate the Y, look down the road to Mariner expansion, amalgamation will be a big chat, and just can continue and doing community stuff and you know, trying to do the best we can for, for our town and putting it on the map. But I think it's easy when you've always been a town guy. I've always kind of been someone who's been a community kind of, you know, good old Yarmouth boy, try to do what I can. So I think either, whether I was elected or not, I'd, I'd still be out there doing the community stuff. So, you know, it's just nice to have a seat, a seat at the table and be able to help some people out here and there. And like I said, can continue to move Yarmouth forward and try to make a difference where you can. Yeah, we need your energy. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. It's awesome to have you as a community guy in a position where you can make some change, not just using your your name or your reputation in social media, but actually being in discussions where you're going to see some good things happen. Um, uh, I've liked what's that, what's gone on the last year and a half. I'm looking forward to the next couple. Thank yeah, you. I, I, think, I, I hear it a bit, so it's good. It's good. <laughs> people are yeah, happy. I think I think the key is you want all your council members to be people who would be doing it anyway. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not doing it for the prestige. You're not nope. doing it to be like, yeah. For the we, not the me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you want the people that say, well, I, 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 already, I already help out, but this will give me more of a chance to help out in a bigger way. For sure. And, and uh, make things better. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to be there, and I think I made some great connections, and, you know, I, I followed through on kind of what I had hoped, at, you know, many barbecues and you know, community events yeah. and fundraising and whatnot and just being there to kind of help people out. And I think people appreciate the kind of honest, you know, approach that I, I take to do things uh, grassroots. I don't try to make it too complicated. You know, I think we've gotten away from the good old, you sit down and talk your problems out with Facebook and where we are nowadays, the bash and different politicians. And, you know, I've lost a few friends since being elected just because I was elected. You yeah. know, but that's yeah. okay. You're part, you're part of the man that's now. That's right. You're right? part of the but system. Switch at, teams. Yeah, but at the end of the day, right, it's you sit down with people, and I, I, I take every issue as an important issue, and, you know, I'm always willing and open to talk to anybody. I, I come from humble beginnings, and I don't think I'm better than anybody. And like I said, I, I just think people appreciate the, sim- simplic- the simplicity of kind of how I come at things, and that that's how I want to stay at I've got family members and friends that would never let my head get swelled, and I'm thankful for that. So, you know, you just try to stay true to who you are, and I, I think people really appreciate sincerity nowadays. Big time. Couldn't say it better myself. Share the bear. Aim for the moon. 
And if you miss, you'll fall among the stars. <laughs> go. Wow. Wasn't sure where that was going for yeah. a minute. <laughs> nice. You're going to burn your ass on the sun if you go too far? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Steve. Uh, well, good luck in the upcoming election. Um, you know, the Barncast has your back. You just got the Barncast bump. There you go. And none That's of, it. No other. We got a good uh, track record. Yeah. Got there you select. go. Shoot 100. <laughs> All right. Worked in the by-election. Yeah. So. And uh, let's see if we can uh, come up with some cool stuff in the campaign. Cool. Uh, so. We want to thank everyone for coming out with this journey with us tonight. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> my name is Ben Drew. We're joined by Tyler Smith and Counselor Steve Barry. Remember to vote for him and to check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a like and a review. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook. Uh, and you send us any questions you want us to talk about or anything you want to hear from us. We love to hear from you. Good night. All the best. See you next time.